0: success we are on welcome back for season two of the from mess to success podcast a podcast where we discover explore and unpick people's from mess to success stories i'm your host justin founder of from mess to success coaching author of you're fired you're hired and i'm on a mission to share stories from people who have moved from their version of mess to to their version of success transforming their lives along the way and today we are joined by the absolute force of nature that is leanne Bayliss, aka sober little mother red i'm excited and ready for this leanne welcome to the show how are you
1: Oh, thank you, Jesse. What a, what an introduction! Thank you so oh. much. Thank you for having me. I feel so honoured to be here. Thank you so much.
0: No, it's it's really really good to see you. And I've been I've been sort of yeah a mix of of nervousness and excitement as well. Um, and let's dive straight in so we're fellow dry app members um which is obviously matt and andy's app now that has like seven thousand members it's changing people's relationship with alcohol and for people that want to take tactical breaks or for people that want to just better themselves or you know fully stop drinking alcohol and we've met um once which we met in london a few months ago and Leanne, to be honest, mate, I was just blown away with the rawness of, of your journey and really the fact that, you know, you just give zero Fs when telling your story. And I think for me, that was just like, oh, it was just like super powerful in, in a world where, you know, sometimes people only share parts of parts of their story. You know, you're kind of like all in and all out there with your story. And I just kind of, like, you know, that's just, you know, was that was that an intentional thing or was that, you know, did you mean to do that or is it just like it's it's out there, it's me?
1: I think that that's it. I think it's just me. And I think for so long as part of my recovery story was yeah. trying to, people please, to fit in, to look like I had this pretty grid, you know, the 2.4 children, what everyone expects you to have. And when I realised that it was about being comfortable about me and that my journey wasn't like everyone else's that i was seeing that was like oh it's so great giving up alcohol and i never think about it i was like fuck because i do all the time you know uh and it's like it was just to bring that realness to people so people could connect uh the authenticity of it as well it is how i feel on a daily basis i'm not scared to hide anything because i feel that The more that we're honest and open about our stories the more likely you are to help someone else in the same position that you were and you know people identify you know with what i say and dms and emails go crazy weekly because people are like i'm so glad you said that i'm so glad you had the energy and the balls to say that as well so yeah it's just a case of it's just me and i say what my journey's like you know sometimes it is pretty and rainbowy and sparkly but you know i'm also still have those dark moments i have the stresses that everybody else has as well and i just i want people to just know that they can be real and not to just pretend that they're necessarily happy because we can all get in this circle trap of just pretend you know and we need to address our real feelings and our real self to further anything that we do in life
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the word that stands out there is, is is authenticity, right? I think that's the sort of, you know, as you move in, as you go on these stories of of major life transformations and you start coming back and telling your story, I think it's the authenticity of, of people's stories in, you know, that really kind of, I think, stands out from um, not because... Other people's stories aren't as, you know, good or bad or, or messy or more messy. But just if it's if it's real, um, then I think it just it just means it means so much more. right?
1: Oh, 100 percent. And I always I say to people, you know, I put the worst things out there. You know, pictures of me looking in the worst state and I do that because I also want to reach out to people. You don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to be in that dark place you know it's there to sort of catch also the audience and the people that haven't got there yet but they're on their way there and I think if you show everything it's just then people can take away what they want to rather than forcing a lifestyle on them and and a way that they should be or a trend that's running, yeah, I just show my life, and if the bits of my life help them, then that's all it's it's about it's also a personal. Journal for me, it's there. It's there to look back on. It's it's in a selfish way, like a huge tool for myself as well.
0: That's it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think there's. do Do you find that there's an accountability part to it, which is kind of what you're saying, which is if you're online and out there in the world showing your real, authentic journey and your real story, then it's almost holding you sort of a bit accountable in terms of helping you. Do you know what I mean? So you don't kind of, you know, it reduces that risk of slipping up. I, I, do, do you know what well, I mean?
1: A hundred percent. There's many a times where I've thought I'd like a beer, but those 10,000 people that follow me, I'm letting them down. I can never do it. I couldn't go into a pub in Birmingham and get a beer because everybody kind of knows who I am or I've done something with them to promote alcohol-free living or Speak to them about alcohol free choices in their bar so it, it just holds me accountable as well also again a bit selfish but you know it's, it's one of those things it's like you go and do something but you know that all these people are watching you so you, you can't do it it's, yeah it keeps me focused it keeps me accountable and I'm just as accountable as the people that that follow me as well it's kind of a vice versa thing we're we're in it together we're pulling each yeah. other up all the time
0: yeah we're in we're in it together and I think um I had Claire um a running coach Claire McCasfall on on the podcast recently and she said something really interesting which is if people in, invest in me then as a coach I invest in I invest in them. And I think it's kind of, you know, which obviously I I totally get from a like coaching point of view, but I also think like even from that accountability point of view with social media, right. If I'm, if people are engaging with me on, on my Instagram and on my socials and then, you know, I'm going to invest back in them, which is, you know, sort of being real, telling my story, do you know what I mean? Showing them my, my journey in because, in it really it, it's you're giving back you're helping people and that's that's where the power is right
1: that is where the power is and, and my friend um danny bennett he's actually 10 years sober uh, at the end of last year he's an amazing guy if no one go and check him out yeah but, um he he said to me just before christmas you don't get to keep what you have without giving it all away and, oh, and I wow. uh, yeah. just that like it's still every time I say it out loud it brings tingles down my spine and that, that's why I think I bear my soul because if I give it all away I get to keep it and nourish it and then give some more away it's sort of like you're topping up your own cup but doing that beautiful gift of giving at the same time so that's something that's so resonated with me it's 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 that circle of giving and receiving and giving and receiving, but in an unselfish way that you're not going to end up with a Mercedes Benz. You're just going to have pure love and inner peace and lots of people around you that are feeling the same as well. Yeah And are you getting that through Are you getting that
0: through your Instagram Because I, I, I sort of You know I've watched I've watched your Rise on Instagram and But I've also Which has been like Super super powerful But I've also sort of seen Where sometimes you're Do you know what I mean A little bit conflicted with it And you know And you're sort yeah. of You know um, how's, how's your Instagram story it, It's, it, it's... I, I love And I'm
1: very honest about this I love to hate Instagram I wouldn't be where I am today without it But it does, it brings I get a lot of flack, I get Trolls People send me pictures Of alcohol or themselves doing drugs Um, Mm -hmm. Someone's abused my child on there You know, and I just think I have to take a step Back, you know, even Taking alcohol away, I'm true to my redheadedness I'm a bit of a hothead (laughs) And I won't lie, so sometimes I think I just have To step back and just See, You know, for instance, yesterday I was a bit conflicted with Instagram. And then this morning I woke up to a message from a lady saying that she's going to a centre today in America to go and pick up her child who was taken into care and she's now allowed to have 50-50 custody back of the child and that I paid a huge part in her recovery and getting sober. So if I ever have a day where I think... Oh, just close that account down she said please please remember my name oh it makes oh, me well yeah. up a bit but that was yeah. like i stood in my kitchen at half five this morning and i thought do you know what for all the nafty name calling or whatever or someone tells me i look like a clown or whatever that message I, i've changed i've changed someone's life well two people's lives because i've changed her son's life as well so yeah. i love to hate it but i know I know how powerful it is. I know how great it is. I know how it can get people sober, change people's lives. It can give people connection. People with mental health rely on, you know, Mm. people because they're hiding in the shadows. They're not ready to talk, but they can sit at home and read a post. So as much as I slate it and as much as I'm like, I'm going to give up on it. I'll always be there. Whether it's at the forefront or in the background, I'll always sort of be there.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, relationship, it's like a... I'm not an expert in social media, by, by no means, but from what in my time with it, especially over the last sort of year since I've gone fully all fully all in, you know, it's a, it's like a, it's like a relationship, right? You um, you know, you you we that and that relationship ebbs and flows and changes, and I think you know we all have those moments where yeah, we're absolutely sort of you know all in, and then there's times where we feel we we may need to pull back or just slow. It down, but I think you know you're you're right. Is that you'll always be there? And what a beautiful thing that you're able to you know that that. And I don't know. I mean, not to the extent of the example you've just given with a lady in America, but I've had sort of a similar sort of examples where you know i've got really really nice messages and they always seem to come at the right time don't they when you like like what you're saying with those you know i mean I you know touch wood i've I've not had trolls um um but you know obviously i'm sort of operating in a bit of a maybe a bit of a different sort of sort of world um but you know yeah it, it kind of always feels like it comes at the right time
1: It's it's when you're about to just give up the ghost, as I would call it, that you get that little nudge to be like, no, this is why you're here. This is why you're doing it. Keep doing it. Uh, And it it does. And, you know, you can get 30,000 messages of people saying not nice things, but honestly, that message will live with me till the day I die. You know, that, that moment of me in my kitchen reading that of that sincere message of helping those two people that i've never met and this is the other thing this is the most powerful tool as well because Mm -hmm. without social media i wouldn't know that woman in America. Yeah, I wouldn't have been yeah. able to get to her. So it's it's the bigger picture as well as the extended network and connections that it can it can bring you. You know, some of my best friends now I've never ever met in real life. It's madness. I know,
0: and well, and that's I know. And what's what's your view on when you do meet them in real life then? Because obviously, my first last year was a, a year for me of building all the online connections and through coaching and groups and network. In. And then, obviously, I started to meet people at the back end of last year in, in real life, and it's kind of like, yeah. What's what's what, what your what, what's your take on that?
1: Oh, I absolutely love it. I yeah. get super excited. People are always even nicer in real life as well. <laughs> yes. Um, I always get. Oh my god, you're a lot smaller than I thought you were. Always. That's a running a yeah. topic um, it, it just brings that bond to an even higher level and because you you know these people it, it's it's that that extra layer to it, that extra level of you know being able to hug someone, but knowing that you've been their cheerleader for a year of their sobriety, and you know all the in, you, yeah. know, you know what size their pants are. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it is so lovely to me, and I always encourage people. You know, if you can and you feel ready. Connect with people Because there's nothing More magic in life Than having these Connections And a Human touch What a thing That is yeah. To have a hug Of someone That you completely Respect and love And it's just yeah, yeah it's a great thing Isn't it We had a big old hug When we met Didn't we so. I know
0: I know And I just You know I, I just Without going all Woo woo I, I, I just felt Your energy I was like You know I felt it It's what you're saying I felt it online Because of You know The power of of your message and your story and your your, your instagram profile and, and everything around you but then when i met you i just felt this like um i don't know you know like the i don't know if i'm um i'm a bit too old but you know the ready break man where there's this glow around this little man and then when <laughs> i was growing up i was like that was that last and there's like this little like lovely soft glow around you and stuff and it was it was beautiful but yeah i i you know the, that i agree with that power of connection and, and that power of human meetup i mean the high park walk for me which is when was one of the first dry um, meetups was really really powerful i was you know i was walking around Hyde park with these two guys i'd, I'd never met before and i just we were like three greek philosophers walking around like ancient greece um 2, years ago we were talking about life and talking about you know men's feelings and and, and and books and stuff and philosophy whereas you know in a previous world I'm in a pub with a you know with a massive sort of ego wrapped around me the wrong ready break, break glow talking about rubbish stuff that I can't even remember I mean I can't even remember one good conversation I ever, I've ever i ever had in a pub do you know do you know what I mean it's in in a in a when drinking alcohol
1: this is the thing I always say to people when, and you know, you, you when we meet people now in real life, you you have these conversations because you really want to get to know the inner core of people. When you're still in a pub, you're normally just talking about things like whoever's annoyed you at work this week or what you've got to do for the weekend, including the food. They're, they're not real conversations. They're not conversations of connection. I was sat in a pub the other day only non-drinker all my friends were drinking not heavily you know it was we'd been for a long walk we we're all in a pub after they're having some beers but like no one's talking everyone who's drinking is that and I'm sat there so but trying to like make conversation with people trying to like poke at their life and give me all your love back and everyone's just sat there drinking getting drunk Looking at the phones, there was no yeah. connection, and that's what I love about Sober Connection is that you strip it back. You you actually want to talk to people, you actually want to have these philosophy moments of life that you, you never have these conversations, I say, in the real world. Do you know, yeah. it, it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's madness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really powerful, and it's sort of opened up so many, you know, it's opened up a new and all doorways for me. You know, I can't wait till the next meet up. And you know, I can't wait to have more of these conversations. That's almost like it's almost like, in a way, a, a new drug for me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, meeting up with people that I can have the. I know that I'm going to have a, a deep conversation. That's really, really powerful, and I I love that. Hence the podcast, and and sort of, you know, I, I think that's um, I, I think that's super, super powerful. So, just before we go back to to the beginning, and then really sort of start to, you know, look at your journey and in the essence of the podcast which is you know this mess to success real life transformation you're um, one of the things that caught my eye um, when we talk about rawness and we talk about authenticity is you're I think you're in the stage of writing a book and, and the title just kind of you know like I saw the title and it was another thing where I was like I need to speak to, to, to Leanne so I'm, I'm not tell us where you're at I'm not sure if it, I'm hoping that the title's no. not going to change
1: it was from cocaine to rice cakes right from cocaine to rice cakes so it's finished yes and it it will be out at the end of february um okay and it is one of the self-explanatory titles it's my journey from cocaine to rice cakes with the reference of rice cakes being i'm now a mother um and i bloody hate rice cakes and i bloody hate cocaine now as well so um yeah it was kind of like I just really liked the title and I thought, I'm so outspoken, I'm not going to conform, I'm going to just say it how it is and the book is exactly that it's a story upon my journey things that I've done, it's not a self-help book for anyone thinking that I'm going to magically change your life but what it is is a book about everything I've done don't do anything I've done and then you'll be all right. it's sort of like a life lesson of this is what I did, this is how it all went wrong but then it also Strips back to I didn't for a long time know that I was in addiction, I just thought I was this party girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes into and delves into that, it goes into finding out how I had addiction and also where my addiction actually stemmed from, you know, because right. people just think you're greedy and yeah. you're just drinking too much, but there was a whole underlying. So, yeah, I'm really excited, I'm very nervous because if you think I'll put stuff out on Instagram well you wait till you read the book <laughs>
0: right okay okay I can't wait because I just saw that uh, you know and I think I, I saw that title and obviously you you always look at stuff and go you know immediately feel what you can connect with what you can't and then you think of immediately the, the kind of you know the, the human instinct in us goes back to our own journey and stuff so I was like wow this is going to be super interesting and I in a way you know your story it, it kind of it, okay my not officially be under the self-help category, right? Because there might not be like formulas and Einstein theories and what to work on to improve yourself, but to become a better you. But your story is effectively self-help, right? I mean, that's, you know, I I find when I read people's stories, it's like... It probably, actually, it's, it's probably done more for me reading people's stories and as, you know, coming, reading a book where you come to the end of the chapter and it says, right, let's summarise. Let's list your three, your top three uh, gratitude points for, do, do you know what I mean? I think there's a place for that, but there's real power in um I mean, just thinking aloud, I read... Um, Stephen Fry, Stephen Fry's book a while back, probably like three or four years ago. And um, I quite like Stephen Fry's, like this kind of grew up 90s kind of eccentric, like, you know, character on British TV. Brilliant team. writer. Yeah, yeah, brilliant writer. And basically, I can't remember the actual words, but the, the first page is about, it is you know, it's about him doing like a, a massive line of coke in like... I don't know whether it's the Royal Albert Hall, the British Museum or some swanky, you know, and that was the opening page. It's like Stephen Fry, do you know what I mean? It's like, and then I was just hooked. And then it was like, I think uh, if I remember rightly, it was like the whole f- first couple of chapters was like every everywhere he took coke in the 90s, you know, in, in that sort we, of, yeah. Uh,
1: I'll give you a bit of an exclusive because me, me and Stephen Fry have, I, you know, I was one of these people that you never knew. I had a career, a job, friends, you know, I, you would never know what I was doing. But um, I do tell the story of when my best friend passed away and being around, I think I was around 21, being in the service of the funeral i'm snipping to the toilet to do cocaine at a catholic funeral service there's also a time when i was in a police station picking up a friend and i've just sat in the waiting room and started doing bumps oh of cocaine in a police God. station oh you know and you God. look back and you just think that was normal they were more of an inconvenience because i had to be in those places than my yeah. actual addiction that i was in looking back so yeah
0: Oh my God. I can't wait to get stuck into it. And, um, I did, um, I saw your Instagram stories. I think it was this week where you asked the question of where, where's the most your strangest place you've ever taken cocaine and, and stuff. And, um, I saw someone's answer. I think it was like a kid's party or something like that. I was like, Oh, that's so like, Oh my God. I mean, obviously we laugh at police stations and stuff and, like, yeah, okay, but like, kids' party. I was like, oh, oh my god, I was like, that's so, like, that's so close to them, that line, right? It's
1: so close to the home. But I said to that person, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful she shared that because she did it at a kid's party. But how many people on tonight, on a Friday night or over the weekend, would have their kids at home? and be doing cocaine I know it sounds terrible because it's out at a party in a kids party but how many people are going to go and do it tonight with their children in the house and we forget that line that line is actually the same one seems more extreme than the other but they're both doing the same things, and that's drugs around children. But one seems more acceptable than the other because society now has this level of acceptance around cocaine. You know, it just seems very normal. You know, oh. even more. You know, people find smoking more weird than doing, doing coke, and it's it's it, it blows my mind. It really does blow my mind. Oh my
0: God! No, you've just completely hit the nail on the head there. It's like you know, it's that yeah, just and that's and that's the that's what I love about you, Leanne. It's just that it's that you just hit that for me is everything. It's that social society sort of you know snobbery if you want to call it or norms right and you're totally right you know there was that whole big thing wasn't there years ago which was like these over 30s and 40s like you know midlife midlife malaise sort of couples you know having these like yeah sitting in, indoors doing it in their homes you know dinner parties and stuff oh yeah we don't go out anymore but we do it in, and you know and you're right it, what's the difference what is the difference between you know doing in, in a kids party to sit in yeah there's no difference
1: there's no difference but it's also how society look at and how we judge people so you know we've got people sat with lots of money in their nice rich houses doing lots of cocaine or you know the new thing in DMT and, and, and stuff like that some of them go to the toilet and smoke crap. but then we've got people that are sat on the on the streets in a mental health crisis trying to yeah you know make themselves better with drugs and they're the scum of the earth you know And again, it's the same line, but we treat them so differently. They're both breaking the law. They're both detrimentally doing harm to their bodies. But we see one as so lower class and the class divide. And, And that's what's projected cocaine as well. I think in the current situation is this class divide where it's quite classy to do cocaine.
0: Yeah. Madness.
1: Madness. Uh, madness.
0: Yeah, we could talk about that for a while, yeah, that whole should. sort of that whole yeah, that whole what's 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 socially accepted, what's what's normal, what's kind of classed as oh, that's okay, but that's yeah. not, because you've got yeah, you've got all these sort of key super powerful people at the moment, sort of, you know, um, and for years saying it's okay to, you know, the Ayahuasca thing and the DMT thing, and then, but then actually, it's how is there any difference through you know, sitting behind the back of the school sheds and sort of you know, having marijuana, right? It's the same, isn't it the same kind of you? It's, it's illegal or it's you know, in whichever country or state you're in, but yeah, okay, right. Um, let's go back to the beginning, um, you know, and I don't know sort of much about you know, your whole sort of story and and, and stuff stuff like that so i'm I'm sort of really really interested in 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 this journey so um what what does the beginning look like for you in terms of you know where things started to um you know change for you right and you you know alcohol and all this becomes and becomes part of your life
1: so, at the beginning, I'll try, I'll try and condense it a little bit, but um, I was born and bred in Birmingham. Yeah. I was adopted into my family now. Um, there was a lot of trauma before my adoption a lot of trauma a lot of sadness a lot of stuff that I've come to have to live with and get better from Um, but I was adopted into the most loving caring home I will still say to this day my parents spoil me Um, and it was wonderful went to a good school had good relationship with my parents we had good social lives we were well looked after we had everything we wanted I think throughout my life looking back now I always had this conflict with what happened to me why I had to be taken from my parents Um, there's periods of my my life where nobody can tell me who was looking after me for that period of time and Mm -hmm. you know things like well what did I like to to do what did I do when I was this And, and, Mm. and, you know, there there aren't those pictures, there aren't names of people that looked after me. And I think I had a massive conflict with my biological parents as well for putting me in the situation that that they did also. Um, I always felt a bit lost. I always felt odd. I just, I don't know how to really explain that. I just felt like I didn't fit in anywhere, even though I was kind of told that I did. I had friends. I just felt very different. Mm. When I then hit my teens, I wanted to fit in. So I hit alcohol, you know, wherever there was a party when I was 13, I'd try and get someone to get me booze and, and things just started like that. And the partying got more as I got slightly older. I went to college. I then discovered the drugs. You know, it was sort of the natural progression as most people would do. Um, I then became a ballet dancer. I then had my career took away from me because I was injured. Again, I felt very lost everything had gone so again just turning to use use of alcohol use of drugs um slightly later on in life going into the well i lived in Cavos for two years as well and that definitely didn't help wow. my drug or alcohol intake um i just went there because i knew that i could have a party i knew that i could sustain a party yeah. for longer because i could have this working party life um That all turned into an absolute disaster. I got um, attacked on a beach one night, severe injuries. I had to come home, completely knocked my confidence. But just through all of those years, the drinking was just drinking. And I thought, like everybody else, well, everyone else drinks on Friday and Saturday night. Everyone else sometimes slips the weekend to a Thursday or maybe a Wednesday night. Um, Then I got pregnant. So in 2016, I found out I was pregnant. I was with someone at the time. It wasn't planned. Bless you, Darcy, very much. I wouldn't change anything for the world. they, The person that I had my child with, um, basically in pregnancy, I found out that my daughter had a heart condition and wasn't going to be very well, and there was only going to be a 20% chance that she was going to survive. My partner at the time decided wow. that he didn't want to be a part of that because I was told probably the best option for me would be to have an injection to stop her heart and to give birth to her because because... because of all the complications and life we would be leading after birth. I made a decision, even though my partner had already left me at this point, to just go with this, to go with what I thought in my heart. Um, Then told there'd be less of a chance of her surviving as we were getting closer to uh, labour Um, On the 2nd of December, 2016, she decided to come a lot earlier than planned, quite premature, did our Dorothy. And um, everything, and I have to say, my pregnancy was the only time I didn't drink. And I think, and I'll be honest, and I'm always honest about this, the thought of alcohol made me feel really sick. If I could still drink, I, I, hands on heart, would tell you that I probably would have done. But Mm I didn't because alcohol, I was so poorly in my pregnancy as well. Um, after Darcy was born there were so many complications and I you know Darcy's died quite a few times and and come back from the brink of of death Um, and it's an amazing story and you know she is only the third person in this country to have the conditions that she has Mm -hmm. Um, I'm forever lucky I'm forever grateful This is where the hard part comes, and this is what keeps me sober every single day from now until Mm. the day that I die, is the fact that Darcy's life is limited, Mm. and I've known that, and it will always be, and things won't change for that, and we don't know how long we have. No one can tell us. I'm praying that medical science develops a lot faster than it is at the moment. but. I got into a really bad cycle of still continuing to drink. But the drinking was when she went to bed, the darkness. Mm. And I just drank and drank and drank. If I ever had a break from having Darcy, so my parents would have her, I would drink from the minute she left to the minute she got back because the world was so dark. And don't get me wrong, I have to wake up every day knowing that there's some day I will have to walk this earth without mm. her but mm-hmm. uh, it was so much darker in drinking and I it came to a point in September on the 19th of September 2019 I tried to end my own life and uh, by the grace of whatever somebody turned up at my house and I got the help that I needed that day and during the therapy after trying to live. um I spoke to a therapist and, you know, you always get told that hangovers make you feel shit and sad and stuff like this. Mm. It's real stripped down therapy of if you stop drinking, you know, things are going to get so much better, things are going to change and, you know, it's the only time I really thought about it. From that moment, I, you know, cut down my intake. I was on lots of prescription drugs. I was like a bloody zombie, you know, not to feel feelings or, you know, I was on watch. There was just always people around because people thought I was going to do it again or, you know, it was just, I just remember it being this time of just, there's like me in the middle and a bit like the Tasmanian devil with the stand going round, but I'm just the one in the middle, not mm. knowing what's going on mm. going And then I gave sobriety a really good go. And then on the 25th of July, 2020, was my last drink. And, you know, I used to say, oh, I can't say I'm never going to drink again. I can, I won't, I'm not going to, Mm. and I will never drink again because I want to be present for every single day. And it's painful, trust me, some days. It's really painful because that pain never goes away that pain is never gonna leave mm. to live with it and and ultimately that pain's only gonna get to the darkest point you know it, it's not pain that I've got to sit with and and live with for a bit it's it's pain forever and it's gonna turn into the, my darkest day mm. but the only thing that i can give my daughter you know is to have every single memory to be present for now for the future to have sad moments but to be able to deal with them in a way that supports us both to know that mommy can function as a human being, and get through these days of darkness to to be everything that she needs me to be, right now, mm. tomorrow, two weeks time, two years time, um, and and here we are today. You know, we are here. I am sober. I mean, I'm clean of drugs over five years, a lot longer than I think. I naturally knew that everything needed to go. Um, mm. I've been off prescription drugs for. Over a year and a half now, which from the age of fourteen, I'd always been mm. on, I'd never not been on some kind of antidepressant, antipsychotic, anti this, anti that. Mm. You know, I know it was just looking, but during that time of getting sober, you know, I realised I did have this conflicting you know interest in my past that i hadn't dealt with i did deal with loneliness i have got ptsd i have got adhd you know it's made me and i have got all these things and people are like well aren't you scared that you've got all these things i'm like no because it, it explains so much about mm-hmm. me it explains that why i did this why i behaved like this not just because i was you know some people crazily am. you know it, it wasn't that it all led to things that it all strips it back and it's got me where I am today and I'm forever grateful for Mm. it sounds mad but you know I'm even grateful for what I go through with Darcy because it is the biggest lesson on on life and and I can only just keep giving
0: Mm. to things
1: around me and to other people so that's where we are today and that's how I kind of got here
0: well thank you for sharing that I mean this yeah there's there's so much (laughs) so much in there and i i you know it's it's yeah that's 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 sort of um so so powerful it feels to me that you know you've you're giving the best version of you to darcy right and through what you've what you've gone through and the decisions that you've made and what sobriety has, has led you to you know it's almost like you're you've made it within your subconscious or conscious consciousness decision to be the best version of you for her. And that is, you know, that is, that is, is something just, just, just amazing. Right.
1: It's to give her the best version of myself, but also it got to a point where I was hating on the world. I hated every single thing in it and everyone around me. And and that I couldn't sustain living like that. That's a really horrible mm-hmm. way to live. So I had to turn all this sadness, all this anger, into being the best version of myself for Darcy. And our situation won't change. But what I can do is for anyone, you know, it's a minefield going into – having a child with disabilities, if I can, you know, I'm setting up a a charity called Doing It For Dars, which is to help other people in my situation that, you know... (laughs) I hate to say this, and I'm going to say it very bluntly, but with children like mine, people don't want to throw money at it because it's kind of what people think is a waste of money because our kids aren't going to keep living. So I want to create this space where our children are just as valuable as everybody else's, you know, and that's really Mm -hmm. key to me to help those parents that sit in the cupboard like I did, drinking wine, because it's it's Mm. hard, it's tough to get through days. So it's to raise awareness, it's to to let people know they're not on their own. And the thing is, what I've found through doing my work with disabilities as well, and being a single parent, there were so many people in my situation that using alcohol, you know... To be that partner of a night that they're missing, to be that crutch, to be that voice, you know, or to be that ear, you know, people are like, well, I can just sit down with wine. It's like having a conversation. And mm-hmm. I I get that. That was me, you know. So I think it's really important to be the best version of myself so people can see look, she's doing it. And she ain't in the best situation that you can be in in life. You can do it. And this is why I'm so big on gratitude because, you know, I know everything's different for everyone, but, you know, like... People are like getting upset because they can't get the nails done or they haven't got this mm. flavour of water in Sainsbury's. Come on now, kids. Yeah, bigger yeah. things, there's bigger things. Be grateful that you managed to get to Sainsbury's and they've still got a couple of different flavours of water, even if it's not yours. You know, it's turn it around and give it all you've got because we only have one life and we can suffer in sorrow and sadness. But what kind of a life is that? However long, short your life is it's here to to be lived for this present moment
0: mm, absolutely and I think there's power in that present moment isn't there that's we we spend you know I think it was my mum said once to me that if you if you've got one foot in the past and one foot in the future then you're taking a shit on today um so it's like which is I love that look, I, I know, love the... that i know and it's just something that's always always sort of stayed with me and i think there's 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 obviously so much power in that in that being you know that present and that now and we we do we do we, you know we're all guilty of spending so much time in that past and and then obsessively worrying about the future so so in terms of like just unpicking that kind of you know timeline a bit was I mean pre Darcy was there you know your the, the relationship with alcohol and and sort of the partying and the, was there was there a problem pre or did you look back and say yes there was the you know there there, there was a I I mean I I went into even when I got
1: into recovery I still didn't think I had a problem and the only the moment that it clicked that I am an alcoholic and I was in drug addiction for over 20 years was when I spoke to Sarah Durage, she uh, who runs Warrior Kind, and um, and speaking to her about her dad Steve and when she I finished that conversation I broke down and I realized I was an alcoholic but before that before Darcy I was working in London and I came back from London and my friend had a bar I was like, come and do this bar with me. It'll be great. We'll be back as a team. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. So I was like, yeah, why not? Best thing ever. Like, what, what, what's the one thing I want to do in life? Have a bar and drink all day. That's my dream. So that for two and a half years was an absolute disaster. And I remember saying to um, a guy came in to fix the glass washer. And he went, I need to get some food done. you love you looking thinner every time I see you. And I went, I've had my breakfast Mm. this morning. I've had half a bottle of wine, a split and a couple of lines of cocaine. That is the truth. And the guy laughed, but that's what I was doing. You know, I would walk up to the till, (laughs) open it, take money out, go and buy cocaine, walk back in. Everyone, all the staff were doing it. We'd line it up on the shelves, on the plate up and stuff like that. You know, I'd... I would basically work on Tuesday and party till Sunday. You know, occasionally have a sleep in the cinema that was next door. It was intense. I don't know how I sustained it. I don't know how I'm not dead. Um, the use was, you know, I, I, I could do six grams a day at, at the height at the height of it. Wow, that's a lot. I'm five foot two and seven stone. Wow. You know, it it was just Mm. insane. And I thought the more I drank, the more powerful I was. I was so cool, I had this bar. All the men were like, oh, you've got a bar. And, you know, just, I got caught up in this, you know. And at the time, my behavior and the people, I I was the biggest a-hole to people around me. Mm. I had no regard, I didn't care. I was doing my own thing. I was the bee's knees because I had this bar, you know. Uh, just gave drink away, made no money. Um, mm. You know, it was it was just insane. And then I found out there that I I was pregnant and everything, sort of, mm. sort of uh, just very instantly changed dramatically but I'll always say Darcy was the saving of me as I I touched on before I stopped drinking well the day before I found out I was pregnant I'd been out on a session for like like about three days and one of the guys that worked for me said uh came in in the morning went you know you do need to do that thing today and i was like what thing and he said well last night you got very upset because you think you might be pregnant and i was like oh yes you know i couldn't even remember telling him um Mm -hmm. then i went and got a pregnancy test and found i was pregnant that day and i didn't drink as i say in my pregnancy but i think if i could have I would have, and I know that sounds yeah. awful, but I want people yeah. to know so I know people identify with that as well
0: yeah it, I mean I'm not an expert in addiction and I don't pretend to be but it seems from what I've you know obviously read watched and listened to my whole life it seems that you're in the real throes of it at that point and there's this and when you are in the throes of it there's no there's no self love there's no self care Um, it's it's there's a level of this like you know what, what I read and stuff is extreme selfishness and, and everything's about just, just chasing what you can get your hands on and you 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 and it almost feels like you're right, and you've said it is Darcy, then becomes the the, the the turning point. Um, and then you know, it's something in your subconscious, maybe is, is like stops you from you know, sort of drinking while, while you're pregnant. And then that leads, but then obviously, you, you mentioned this 19th of September date, you go into this and around that dark place around you know, when you're putting Darcy to bed, and you're you know, it seems like then it comes the, the the sort of it goes to another level
1: of, of it dips to another level so what, what had happened is before darcy i was drinking a lot i had darcy and we were in hospital for like nine months continually as soon as right, she was born right. so my opportunities to drink were limited but i will say this was there's a pub opposite Birmingham Children's Hospital called the Jekyll and Hyde. And if someone used to visit, I used to run over, neck off a bottle of wine and come back. And I could do that in half an hour to an hour. So I was still slowly feeding my addiction while I was in there and still feeding mm. that need to do it and then when mm-hmm. I came out of hospital with Darcy I, I did, I could I feel like subconsciously I was trying and I knew there was the, mm. all these issues and I couldn't sustain this then I, I did start seeing someone um, and that all ended very badly and I mm-hmm. felt like, like I was alone and back to square one and this that and the other and the drinking just excelled because I'd been drinking with him I'd been using with him and yeah. um, And it just got dark and I just remember one, and I'm not, I don't think he'd listen to this, but I don't want him to feel the blame for this. But one terrible argument, him leaving the house, me very drunk. Led to feeling like I didn't want to be here anymore, but I'm, I'm not yeah. blaming that person. It's mm. just, it, it just tipped me over. It was yeah. like the domino effect of everything. I couldn't be left again. I've just been left with a baby. My parents left me. Oh, you know, I've got no, I've, I've got, oh, I've been left again. I'm in this situation again, you know. Mm. And um. so even though drinking has stopped and started towards the end, it just escalated to the point of no return on this day. You know, I can't even remember really doing what I was doing. But I remember for the week to the build up to in the September instant, I've, I've always got out of bed. I've always, even in my darkest depression, I've always been one of these people that even if I needed a glass of wine to go into work, I'd get up and go to work. Mm-hmm. But the, the week before... I just didn't want to do anything like I had to get um, someone had to come around and get me out of the bath because I couldn't I couldn't lift myself up off the bath but mm. yet little did I know that I'd got down to like six stone one and that's why right. I, I wow. couldn't get out of the bath I, you know I wasn't eating um, I've always had an issue with food as well like I've always had a conflicting thing with food so that at the height of my addiction became very prominent again mm. and trying to deal with that and when you're not eating you're drinking a load of alcohol, you're taking drugs, but you're also taking prescription drugs, but in a completely different way to what they've been prescribed to you. Yeah. So it was like I, I just wasn't there. I just I just mm. wasn't there at the end. I, I just completely lost myself. I didn't yeah. I didn't in a mirror. You know, people give me a lot of flack on because I take a lot of pictures of myself. But I I didn't I didn't You know, I didn't look in a mirror or anything like that. I actually posted a video yesterday of an old phone that I found. And the pictures on there just... Oh, it's it's so painful. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You could I saw them, and you could you could feel the I could feel you could feel the pain. You could you pain. could feel it from a from a sort of subconscious like level. You can you can feel the pain. So this, this so this bottom moment then of around that that September where it's just so dark. What's the sort of What's the trajectory then, from from there to this July twenty fifth? You know, and it's this—is it, that the sort of the climb, the recovery, the the, the journey to, you know, to, to to today? Really, is that is that where it sort of starts?
1: So after the 19th, I went to hospital for a little bit. Like, I wasn't, like, just to get yeah. them. treatment. Yeah. I then threw myself into therapy because I live with this guilt as well. Like, I had a child that I yeah. just absolutely yeah, yeah. And you know, you know yourself how much I adore that little girl. And I have to live with that guilt that I was going to leave her. So I think something inside me just set on fire again and was like... You're not going to do this. You're not going to live like this. Um, I threw everything, anything they told me to do, every single therapy, any outside therapy I could do. I started to do online courses. I started reading. I did kind of isolate myself from my friends and stuff. And the only mm. reason why I did this was because I was clutching at them for help. I was thinking that oh, if I call that person, they're going to change my life, and if I call this person, and but you know what? It got to that point, and I, I know my friends would say this: I had teared relationships quite severely you know people would probably look at their phone if I called and thought I can't deal with any more crap from her you know Mm. so I I drew back because I knew that the only person that could help me then right then was myself Mm. and that's when it all started and I did all this therapy I did all this self-development online and things like that it started I'd go sober, I'd do three weeks, I'd feel great. Yeah, and then yeah. I'd be like, I feel great so I can have a drink like everyone else because yeah. I'm normal and everyone else is drinking. And then I'd find out. Every time I drank again, though, on every occasion, I felt worse. So I wouldn't drink yeah. huge amounts. So say, I'm a girl, I can drink 13 pints and still stand up. It is like I don't know where I put it or where it goes. I just it didn't have to think mm. about being drunk. I, I used Thing, but um, so I'd have like two glasses of wine, and I'd feel like I'd been raving in the nineties yeah. for like four days. Yeah, yeah, about- yeah. And then the last time I actually had a drink, I had a glass of wine. I had a couple of um six of it and I just thought no I don't want this what am I doing what am I doing and I went home and I've never, never drank again but every time I did pick it up I learned a lesson so the first time I put myself under pressure the second time I was trying to fit in with people the third time I didn't have any boundaries so I put myself in a situation that I didn't want to be in I've had to step away from people I've had to get close to other people um, every time I learned a lesson from it and the mm. last lesson was For me, the lesson that I learned was how much do I love myself?
0: Mm.
1: Not how much do I love Darcy or the life that we're living or anything like that. How much do I love myself? Because everything else stems from that. How much I love myself then stems to how much I love Darcy, what I project for my life And, and all these things around me. And that was the last lesson was... Oh my God, I have to love myself to do any of the things around me, to to stay sober, to be a mother, to get up and go to work. I've got to love myself. And I can honestly say, and it's a sad thing to say, but for the, because I got, I was 37 when I got sober. For all those years, I'd never known self love. But it was the biggest lesson I gave myself in the end It's almost like It's almost like, sorry, when that This self-love
0: comes into Someone's world It's almost like then I don't know, and I'd love to Understand all the science of this But it's almost like then when you Do have a, like you're saying, a sip of Alcohol or something like that It's it's, your body's mind It's rejecting it, isn't it? Because that's what you're you're saying And I can relate to that it's that i have two glasses of wine and feel like i've been you know or have a sip of some, feel like i've been like raving and stuff it's like and it, why is that why why do your body and mind then start to reject the thing that you you know that that, that doesn't serve you anymore and it must be there's got to be a correlation between because you've started to love yourself i don't know
1: I, I think it's a part of starting to love yourself, and I think your brain is so clever in the functionality of understanding things that it starts to recognise your behaviours and and starts to think, are they coming? Well, I, this is what I feel. Yeah, I think that yeah. my body goes, don't you ever do that to me again? Don't you yes. ever do that? But as you also go along, you're so the journey you're stripping back the fact that actually i really like sleeping now i used to stay awake for a long time because of the amount of coke i used to bash and now my body just, if i don't get enough sleep i'm not a nice person you know yeah. but you recognize these things you recognize that actually do i drink to get connection with people is drinking fun i learned this you know probably last year well into sobriety actually drinking was no fun for me and I'm saying that for me if I look back and every time I drank it wasn't fun I was just doing it because it was a, it was a necessity or something that I had to do I didn't do it to have fun because I have fun without alcohol mm-hmm. did you know did I make connections no I just used to swipe right or whatever on <laughs> Tinder. People have my photo overnight. That's that's not connections. Yeah. You know? You and I think your body understands the fact that actually i quite like my nice life where everything's in a peace and calm i get enough sleep i eat vegetables i'm happy this person is in a dread of this person that drinks has hangovers doesn't nourish Mm. their body doesn't think about themselves and again that that is self-love and i'm big you know i i bang on about self-love all the time because it is everything it's just mm. everything It's got to start with you It's like when you get sober You can't do it for your mother, your brother, your sister your boss, yeah. Anyone else, you can't Like I used to think, oh I'm going to do it for Darcy And you know Put pictures, baby pictures of her On fag packets to give up smoking Do you know what I mean? That didn't help It's when mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'm going to stop Because I'm going to do it for me It's the only time it stuck It's the only time, and that sounds ultimately Very selfish but I want people to know it's true. You can't do it when you're not ready and you have to do it for yourself and no one else.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, it's. I think it's not selfish because you're becoming the best version of you, then ev- everyone benefits, right? And that's, that's, that's the thing. It's you, you know, um, I've been saying something recently, but more from like a self-development world is when you win, everyone wins. And my point to that is... You know, every, everyone in your life benefits when you're winning. No one benefits when you're, when you're, you know, when you're losing. So um in all walks in whatever you're doing in life whether it's career change you know changing bad habits changing bad uh, changing lifestyle behaviors ultimately you've got to do it for for you and then the and then everybody reaps the reward it's if if you're carrying out your life way of just people pleasing doing things because others because you feel then you're you know you're going down the wrong path right
1: you just end up in this absolute and i think this is what i was in this mad resentment my yeah. life is terrible everyone else has got a better life oh, yeah. and, you, and you and you just feel this anger this inability of rage sometimes and resentment against everything but it's when you become to accept and it, it, it's also because we overlook what we have we're very good at saying we don't have this i want this what have you got Look yeah, at that. Yeah. You know, those are your foundation blocks and build on it. when people start to strip that back, it's it, it's amazing. Yeah. It yeah, is yeah. amazing what we've got.
0: So this this journey now then, so this climb from sort of 25th of July, was it three, two, three years ago, 2019?
1: Yeah, so it'll, be, so it'll be three years
0: sober in July this year. In, in July. Wow. Okay. So talk, just, you know, run us through the last two and a half years.
1: So... I obviously started to get saber because of my mental health yeah. breakdown. But then a thing called COVID happened, and we were locked in our houses. And because of my um, daughter's disabilities and her heart condition, you know, before any of you lot knew, we were told to shelter in our house and not leave and not see anyone. Mm. And I was like, I thought this isn't isn't what's going on here and there's only me and darcy we don't live with anyone and and i've got all elder parents and then i thought oh this is great this is a good opportunity to have to do nothing in life and just get away with drinking and Mm. i literally said to myself you're going to drink yourself's death in in this lockdown Mm. so i had a great excuse and i would always think that this is brilliant that because i was in lockdown i didn't have to sort of say to people i wasn't drinking or go out and be in social situations because there were no social situations to be in um i didn't find any sober community because i didn't know it existed for about six to seven months in my in, in into my recovery i just kind of started posting stuff about I've gone sober You know And this And then A few people Started to pop up And I started to have A few conversations And then I met people Like Sober Dave um, Matt Pink Andy Ramage Um, You know And it went on And the group Got bigger And bigger And then You know Friends across the pond Like Brad from Sober Motivation Jersey Mike and it became this collective thing of, oh, actually, we're an army of people talking about our recovery, and um, it, it just it just built from there. I've done sober events, um, I do online groups. I do online courses, I've gone back to uni, I've done a course of Andy Ramage's training as the coach. I wow. you know, go into schools and counsel them in disability rights, I'm going to the Houses of Parliament to give a speech on disabilities and people in active recovery, I wow. fight for people in care in the care system in the UK. It, it it all started from there, and now I'm on this mad journey doing all these things. And I would like to be two people because it's not enough for me to go around. But it was the catalyst and the, the what springboarded me. So I got sober in my house, and I do think for me, I probably would have. Sh- gone in and out with sobriety a bit longer if i've been going into social situations because i'm not very good at saying no when i didn't have those boundaries but also as soon as i hit the ground running with the sober community and, and did things like go on a boat on the thames and meet all these wonderful yeah. people me and abby felt them um, like we she's my babe like we're really good friends and i met all these people that were just the same as me Well, not just the same because we've all got different stories um and then it just went mad, you know, podcasts, TV appearances, written yeah. a book, another one, written a script. It, it, it's just insane. And it's all from sobriety and I'll be ever, forever blessed by it. And it's... There's no return for me. I don't see nah, any other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is variety. You know, looking back, about four years ago, I would have looked at myself and gone, what is she on about? What an idiot. What is she on about, this sober life? How boring, blah, blah, blah. If you didn't drink and you are in the pub, I was, I was the one that would sober shame you. I was that person. And now I just can't see anything different. It's never going to be different, apart from just the level of gratitude and what comes to me. It is going to be different because I'm not creating this whirlwind of hell that I did in my drinking days. Yeah. I'm creating this beautiful life, this structure that I live by, that I work for, and that I'm always going to give away to keep giving back yeah. to what you gave me.
0: And I can feel your passion. I mean, you've just literally talking that last couple of minutes about the the, the new you. You're, you're literally glowing, mate. You're you're just lighting up with with what you're. <laughs> what you've achieved and and where it's where it's all going and 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 where is it going? What's what's is there a game plan or is it no I just wake up every day, I'm grateful, I'm just like whatever.
1: I'm I'm grateful for every day. There is a bit too much going on at the moment. So I need to do- <laughs> Calm myself down, but what is coming is the book's coming out. Yeah. I'm going to qualify to be a coach, so hopefully helping people in similar situations to mine, yeah. or people that can just identify with bits of my life. Um, going to heavily go down helping children in disabilities as well. Um, also, there's going to be a podcast because everyone keeps asking me for the podcast. There is another yeah. book written and ready to go, and then also something super exciting which i'm so excited for this year is that me and darcy got the opportunity to write a children's book together um so that will be yeah that's so lovely and it's on a really specific topic um that hopefully will help lots of little human beings but also lots of big human beings understand the journey of disabilities because we're not all the same Um, Mm. and it's to raise awareness and hopefully build on that. Um, I was also supposed to be doing the marathon this year. Um, But unfortunately, I've had to pull out because I tore a tendon. I tore my Achilles heel last year and I need to have a bit of an operation before I start to do any more running. But that's it. There's lots going on. I'm sure there's more going on. Also, Instagram takes me a long time for anyone listening. It's not just an easy... Thing I put a lot of work and effort into it, but yeah, it's all going mad. I'm trying to get on TikTok as well, but I don't really understand it. I think I'm a bit too old, just so. Yeah,
0: that's the fi- yeah. I call TikTok the final frontier, right? Yeah, once you uh, once you step into that world, it's it's the point of no return. I mean, what you're achieving and what's coming up sounds absolutely oh, amazing. Lots of stuff, lots yeah, of stuff with
1: dry. I forgot about that. Lots lots of stuff of stuff dry, with dry, yeah, dry as well. As if I forgot those guys, yeah.
0: Um,
1: you know, so just spreading sober love happiness goodness getting to to know people that we are not of this society anymore where you have to suffer in silence you know strangers that you never even spoke to before we care we're going to help you we're going to do something we're going to reach our hands we're going to grab yours and we're going to pull you up because this thing that I love so much about the sober community it's not doggy or dog world it's all right, mate, want to come on the road with me? All right, mate, want to come on here with me? Yeah, yeah. I want to hold hands and pull each other forward. Yeah. Right? It's magic. It's
0: magic. Yeah, agree, agree. What's so? What's your before we wrap up? What's your one thing then of if you know? Because I one thing of, of more sort of advice or wisdom for anyone who's who's sort of in a bad place. I imagine that your inbound DMs on Instagram is chocker with yeah. people coming to you with all different sorts of 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 um. <laughs> of questions and 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 you know obviously because there's not there's there's obviously a number of elements to all this isn't to your journey. There's there's obviously darcy, there's motherhood, there's there's sobriety, there's addiction, there's there's so much going in there. It's not one thing. So what's your kind of for anyone who's listening who's like, I'm just not in a good place, what where does it start? What's what what can you you know, what can you say?
1: So I, I would say to anyone that's that's th- thinking that they're in a bad place is, is is to address it. Is to actually sit down because we don't do this. Is to sit down and figure out, strip down what is going on. Mm -hmm. And we might not necessarily know that we are in the depths of a mental health crisis, but we know there's something wrong. So if you're feeling like there's something wrong, if you're feeling like you are not drinking to how people say normally, and I promise you there is no type of normal drinking. So also look at your relationship with alcohol. But... Whatever it is, speak to someone. Speak to a professional, drop a DM to someone on Instagram, speak to your best mate, go round your mum and dad's house, speak to someone because that's where it all starts. And I would like to say, you know, the responses that I've had to my personal journey where I think people are gonna judge me, berate me, make fun of me, hate me, be ashamed of me. Um, you know for for instance One of Darcy's teachers came up to me in the school playground and put her hands on my hand and went, I've listened to your sober Day podcast. And my heart sank. I felt sick. Mm -hmm. I literally thought, oh, my God, have they all been in the staff room talking about this? She went, I commend you. I think it's absolutely wonderful what a ray of light you are, what you've bought, you know, what you think people are going to think isn't necessarily people are going to think that you're brave you're courageous that you're wanting to change people might not necessarily know that you're struggling and because you've told them they can help you they can support you Mm. just be honest with yourself start having conversations if you don't know what if you know there's something wrong but you're not sure what it is you're just in this very dark place seek some kind of professional help to get the ball rolling if you know what the problem is address it don't it it's not going to go away tomorrow it's not going to go away next week there's no great time to get sober I promise you there's not it's never mm-hmm. going to be a best day to get sober that day is never going to be better than that one it's just a case of doing it so across all aspects about getting help getting sober starting your journey being in a better house place mental mentally is just do it. Just start. That's mm, my one bit yeah. of advice I'd give.
0: Yeah, it's just start, isn't it? It's just taking that first step. It's that first step that leads. What's the uh the um the proverb? It's that first first step of the lead to a thousand steps or, or, or something like that. Um Leanne I was in awe of awe of you before uh, this show I'm now completely in awe of you thank you so much for coming on and um, and 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 sharing your journey I, it's it's beyond powerful and I just you know I'm just hoping that you know, like the the, the lady in America who's, who's who's reached out to you and you've you know you've you've impacted her life. I'm, I I just know that there's 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 more of that to come in, in the right way, and I think that's um you know that's the most powerful thing we can we can do in life. It's um it's it, it's so so special. So so thank you thank you for sharing your story, and I really hope that people listening to this um you know get so much get so much out of it
1: oh no thank you so much for having me and thank you for allowing me the space to share my story um thank you for being part of my world as well i'm so humbly grateful for you to be in it and i can't wait for our future as well of things that we're going to do together so thank you and thanks to everyone that's took the time to listen today and please share and spread the message because that's the only way we can help others
0: yeah great stuff leanne and people can find you obviously on on instagram Mm -hmm. Is the yeah,
1: Saber, yeah, yeah, sober little mother red, or I've got a website as well, which is com Um, I won't give you my TikToks because I make them off, so <laughs> not
0: yet. Okay. All right, thank you, Leanne. Thank you, you take you care, all right, take, take care. great care, thank you. Thank you.